Hello, and welcome to And There You Go, basically a podcast about all things life. My name is Chad, and with me here is the ever-lovely Addie. Hi, Hi. Addie. Hi, Chad. How are you today? (laughs) I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Good. We had a good day so far. We've had a great day so far. Absolutely. We did something that I haven't done in years. We went out, and there's a local pub that has really great burgers. We had burgers, and then... Onion rings. Onion rings, too, yes. We, we oh, sinned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, we did. And uh, then you had this suggestion to uh, go play some pool. Had... I didn't even suggest it. <laughs> I was way more out there than that. I said, hey, do you have any cash? I want to play pool. <laughs> You're right. It really wasn't a suggestion. It was more of a commandment. But it was fun. It uh, was. I haven't done that in years, and I think it was basically a draw. It was. We were terrible. But you know what? It wasn't about winning or losing. It was about having the fun. Uh, we even did a little dance. We got complimented on that, which is kind of... <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of... I was trying to show you. They were playing country western music and i was trying to show you the cowboy pump cowboy pump yeah I, we, we tried that in <laughs> our place here and one night a while ago and the floor was so slippery i was in my socks i thought <laughs> i thought i was going down and, I and you were you just were too. you were so intense it's an intense dance well not really it, it really well isn't. it sure was <laughs> Why do you think they call it that cowboy pump? Well, it is not even dancing as far as I'm concerned. And if some man tries to dance with me that way, I would have to excuse myself. And well, that Well, <laughs> dancing or otherwise, it was intense. And, and dare I say near violent at times. Yes. Yes, it's that that pump on the arm. Yeah, it's like you're pumping a water pump, you know, the old-fashioned kind of pump. Pump, pump back. Pump, pump back. Yeah, and see, you didn't explain that to me the first time we tried that, nor the second time, come to think of it. You just started in, and I about did the splits on the floor. And this guy, this guy doesn't do the splits. I'm six foot five, and I am not flexible, and I was nearly splitting just on the ground, boom. And you've already been injured, your clavicle. Yes, my clavicle. I woke up, and my clavicle hurts today. Yeah. I don't know why. Must There's have slept on it wrong. A new pain often I hear about. <laughs> I never expected a clavicle pain. No, no. I I do get injured in weird ways. Cramps. Cramps are a big thing for me. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Just we'll be laying there watching something on TV and you'll just say, Cramp. <laughs> Who and, knows? And, and, and you'll go, where is it this time? <laughs> Now, the, the the weirdest one I had was the cramp in my chin. Yes, from putting on a pillowcase. Right. You know, I just, uh, <laughs> I was just really uh, intense in how I was holding the pillow with my chin so I could get it started. And my chin muscles cramped, and it wasn't fun. Do any of you believe this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you're faking it. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I can be a bit of a uh, an attention monger sometimes, but when it comes to cramps, I'm a serious guy. 
I just think you're trying to get out of the pillowcase duty. I did it. On your side of the bed. (laughs) I did it, though. You did. Yeah. Even with the injury. Mm Mm-hmm. And I changed a tire today despite my my hurting clavicle. By the way, thank you because that was on my vehicle. Well, you're welcome. Uh, I would... <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> All right, maybe we should get to the topic of the day. We've burned about five minutes already okay. into this podcast. So, uh, but no, it was a great day. And, and seriously, thank you. I had so much fun. So, yeah, uh, me too. Good. Good. We'll we'll do that some more, and uh, we'll try different things. I'm not doing axe throwing, though. No, no. I, I, you know, I do not like knives and axes, and no, I think, it's just I it's of, just I'm not interested in those hip and trendy type of things. I do bow and arrow as long as I knew <laughs> I wasn't going to get it. Okay, <laughs> because you have better range. No, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> as long as I knew I wasn't going to hurt anybody, and no one was going to hurt me, I think that that would be really cool to okay. do. Okay, well, maybe we'll we'll try to find a range sometime. I'm flipping, not throwing an axe. Can you imagine me doing that? No, dear God, no. <laughs> no, a butter knife is dangerous in your uh, hands. I know, I got I cut. I know. I, I know we're extending this way too long, but I have to tell this. I wanted a cheese stick so bad, and you know they're wrapped in plastic. Oh, yeah. And you, oh, I get so frustrated because you buy these things and they're wrapped up so much. It's like, oh, the company wanted me to buy it. They just didn't want me to use it. Right. So anyway, I could not get this open. So I started to use a butter knife, and I sliced my pointer finger on my left hand open. Yikes. And I was alone and I didn't want to go to the doctor and it hurt so bad. I think those butter knives hurt worse than anything. Well, sure. They're, and, they're, oh. they're blunt. They don't get a nice clean slice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Sorry. I don't need to be that, that so descriptive. I tried to sleep and it bled through a pillow. So then I, I had to call my parents. Oh no. And my mom was so angry at me. Here I'm a grown woman. Right. And my mom marching me into the emergency room, and I had to get stitches, and and the doctors kind of laughed at me. Oh, no. A butter knife. <laughs> yeah, so axes are definitely, Mm-mm. definitely off the, uh, the table here. Right. So today's episode is titled Keeper of the Secret. So do you want to lead us into that topic? Yeah, I certainly can. I'm a big quote person, and I read a quote that reminded me of this, and we've talked about this on occasion. This is it. Imagine how many people dislike you because they didn't hear your side of the story. Yeah, yeah, that has meaning to me. And it's it's beyond just the word dislike for me as well. It's about how uh, people perceive me, how they react to me, how they act, behave towards me. All of that wrapped up simply because my part of the story was hidden. Right. And and we hide it. We hide it. And how many secrets do we keep for other people that hurt us so it doesn't hurt them? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and then they're generally people who are close to us. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, strangers, we don't really 
have this penchant to to keep secrets around strangers because we you know that's more of a uh, just a quick interaction but i mean when it comes to relationships and family and really close friends those the, those types of relationships and situations i think are where people can can keep secrets uh, that it probably is not healthy to do and i know that in both of our cases it wasn't no it it was a implosive yeah. Would that be the word? Yeah, yeah. For us, for each of us in our own ways. Yeah, I think that's a really good term for this because it, it really is squeezing it in on ourselves and squeezing it down and just pushing down our own needs mm-hmm. uh, in a situation where we should be paying attention to our needs but putting the other person's needs ahead of ours and and keeping those secrets. Right. I, it reminds me of something that I heard as a child in church. There was a, a very beloved pastor who was uh, an amazing speaker. And I remember, oh, I wasn't very old, he said, there's a heartache behind every door. And nobody knows what's happening behind the doors except the people that are living behind that door. And sometimes not even all those people know what's going on. Right. Yeah. So it's damaging to keep secrets that end up hurting you and making you look like the bad person or like you've wronged somebody or whatever it happens to be. It's, it. I think you have to be so careful about that. Yeah, yes, absolutely. You know, I think when I think about my own situation, what I've experienced is that the there's a there's a huge imbalance in the scale of perception. Uh, uh, so, so I, I I've went I've gone through a divorce, and mm-hmm. it was it was a difficult situation early on, and basically. It was caused by her infidelities, and then it led to my drinking. Now, while my drinking was incredibly visible to the world, to family and friends, what she did didn't occur in front of people like that. And it was more in the past than than when my drinking was occurring. And so... There was this door that was closed on all of that, and all I, all they saw was me standing outside that closed door and saw what was going on with me. Mm-hmm. And so there's this huge imbalance and, just, and injustice, and the perceptions that people have and had towards me were really colored by that misrepresentation of the totality of the the entire story. I think both of our separate experiences had really significant consequences to us. Yes. Um, I was involved in a number of relationships with, uh, I would say, very toxic men, likely narcissists. Mm -hmm. Um, They had some of those particular qualities. And I kept secrets often because I was very... I felt very shameful that I had gotten myself into this kind of situation and this kind of relationship. And some of the time they would come right out and tell me that 
what they were doing was not to be shared. I mean, even though it was very damaging to me because I was being abused. So they were they were aware of, of just how bad their behavior was, and they were trying to manage perceptions about them. Oh, absolutely. And they were asking you to lie about that and help create that right. and maintain that facade. And I think that as well, they knew that if I was going to tell things, that they, they could do things to hurt me. I guess I knew it because they, they, could, they could do things and say things to make me look bad and, and do it before I ever opened my mouth. So pretty soon, they would alienate me from friends, family. There were all sorts of things like that that happened. They would put out stories that weren't the case. Mm -hmm. And they would alienate me from the people that I needed the most. So all I had was them. Yeah. Yeah, and they they take away all of that from you. And for me, um, it was... A case where I wasn't alienated from people, mm-hmm. but my part of the story was exaggerated, while oh. hers was minimized. And again, and you used the word shame, you felt shame. And there's a lot of shame in that. And uh, fear. And shame and fear, absolutely. You know, I, I know for myself that I had this great sense of inadequacy because of the infidelities. Mm-hmm. I thought I was the problem. And, uh, boy, she was really interested in, in feeding that theory. Um, so she... To you. Yes. Because nobody else knew about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. No, she allowed me to, to, to feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I allowed myself to feel that way. And that's something that we can talk about, too, down the road here, um, about what ownership we have in all of this. But... But a lot of times, um, is you know, relationships are complicated, uh, whether it's, you know, love relationships, friendship relationships. And, you know, there's an amount of protectiveness that you have for people. You know, it's, and, and for some people, it's, it's more natural to be protective of people. And sometimes we protect for the wrong reasons, though. You know, and again, that comes back to the shame. It comes back to the fear. You know, I think it's like, what would people think of me if they knew that my wife was stepping out on me? What did that make me look like? And so there was that fear and that shame that I, I held. And, and so you keep that secret. Well, yeah. You know that I had that happen to me, too. Yes. Um, and it, it was shocking to me because as selfish as he was, I always thought that he was dedicated to our family. And I've I've had a number of different experiences that way. So I know that it was a lot of fear and shame and manipulation as far as... uh, I think that I was definitely gaslighted, which I guess to me is very insidious. Yeah. It's it's psychological abuse. Yeah, and, very much so, yes. And yes. it's like brainwashing and manipulation of somebody else's mind so that you, you start to question your own reality. So that was happening to me along with the fear and the shame. I started to not 
trust my own reality because these men would say something and I, yeah, you just said this. No, I didn't. Oh, well, but I heard you say it. No, I didn't say that. Or you did this. I saw you do it. No, I didn't do that. Soon you start not believing in yourself. I became almost a non-person. I told somebody that one time. Yeah. That I felt like a non-person. I didn't really matter. My feelings didn't. All that mattered is that everybody around me I made happy. Period. That's how I felt. And when you're in an abusive relationship, you're often, once you get out, you end up in another one. Unless you've healed completely. And how do you know when you have? Because I ended up in several very abusive relationships. And that's, that is not at all uncommon. I know, no. I know many other people who have been in situations like that. And so that, that's, not, that's not a matter of anything to do with your character or your will or your awareness or anything like that. It's a pattern that people do experience. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully, I don't think we're going to experience no. that with this relationship. And I think, you know, you asked, how do you know when you're out of that? And I think for me, you know, I, I was with one person for a long time. You were with, you know, several different people, individuals mm-hmm. for various periods of time. And so my situation is a little bit different in that way. But I, I knew that I healed when I presented her with the divorce papers. You know, and I was willing to walk away mm-hmm. when I had made that decision that I am more important right. than keeping her secrets or sticking around to protect her or whatever, you know. Well, didn't you come to a conclusion that that something happened that made you finally realize what needed to be done? It took a long time to come to that, though. It wasn't like it was like, yep, this is what I need. Oh, I know. I had to spend a lot of time. I spent several years with a therapist, and the crux of my experience with that was finding clarity in what I wanted for myself. And I was so jumbled up and confused, I didn't know what I wanted. Did you go through a period where you didn't know what you liked? Oh, yeah. You didn't, yeah. I didn't know what TV shows I liked. I didn't know what kind of eggs I liked. Yeah. You know, I didn't know what restaurants I liked. Everything was always about them. Yeah, from home decor to food. Oh, I guess and, I got to do most of that for two. Well, you know, that's, you know, it's, yeah, it, it, it's an example. I mean, that, but that's a common thing, you know, where you kind of acquiesce yourself. You know, and I think that has to do with certain personality types. So, I mean, the, this whole process of finding clarity took me a long time because I had to kind of, it was like peeling back of an onion that notion. And the last thing that I had to figure out was, how is this going to affect my kids? And I had to come to terms with, they're going to be okay, regardless. Life is going to be different, but that's okay. And once I got to that point, then I was moving towards doing the the legal part of this. Mm -hmm. And then there was a situation that occurred that just drove it home. And... Well, 
I don't know about you, but one of these relationships was quite long, Mm -hmm. almost two decades. And what I realized after the fact is that he stayed for as long as he did because I was passive. Right. He he stayed because he could have everything he wanted. Well, and I treated him well. And he got by with so much. It was like he had his cake and he ate it too. That's exactly what my therapist brought up with me as well. Is Chad, why should she change when she has what she wants? You yeah, know, there's no incentive no, to change. No, no there, there isn't. And no matter what was said, what was done, anything like that, there, there just wasn't enough reason to change. And so ultimately I had to get to a point where I changed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And for me, I've done so much research on all of this, and they say, like we've talked about, if you're in one abusive relationship, you're likely to be in several others. And the last one is the worst one. Well, yeah, I would imagine so. And in a lot of ways, the last one was. And the last one uh, was when I was... I, I went to a crisis center, and I was so afraid that he would find out that I was shaking. I could not stand. They had to help me walk to an office, and I shook, and I cried, and I just spilled everything. So you got to this point mm-hmm. because you kept secrets. Yeah. Why do we do that to ourselves? How is it that we love and love and forget to love ourselves? Yeah. Self-respect. Self-respect, self-love, self-worth, mm-hmm. finding that in ourselves. Uh, and wondering, who's going to believe me? As far as anyone else is concerned that I can see, he's an upstanding member of society. He's held in high regard. He, He's just so nice to everyone and they didn't see what happened behind closed doors and I remember going through so much of this like when they when people knew that we were split I had two friends walk into a restaurant so-called friends walk into a restaurant see me and stare me down and walk out because I was there and they believed him. Right, right. And I had another woman. I was at another, actually it was the same restaurant. And I was at a meeting there with other people. And other people even noticed this woman who had known him forever. But she'd become my friend too. And she was sitting several tables away. And she stared me down for an hour and a half. Unbelievable. Yeah, I think they uh, create this facade you know, oh, of, yeah. of this this persona of being the pillar of the know, community, the community, and just an upstanding, likable kind of a person, and it just propagates that imbalance of information available to people who are on the outside looking in. It's all of the stuff behind the door, but they step outside in front of the door. You know, it's like. 
you sit around in your house on a Saturday afternoon and you're, you know, you're in your grubs, you're, you know, you got your sweatpants on and your shirt on, maybe you don't have your uh, hair combed properly like I did the other morning. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> um, but we won't talk about that. Maybe, oh, we'll, maybe it's we'll, funny though. Maybe maybe we'll put a, a picture up on the uh, the website and we can show folks. That would be um, awesome. Yeah, I yeah I have no shame when it comes to that kind of thing. <laughs> but I do have product. Um, <laughs> no, but you know you you're that way behind the closed doors. But when you step outside your front door, if somebody comes knocking on your door, it's a mad scramble to make sure you look as good as you can. Mm-hmm. You know and. So they don't see that going on on the inside, and it becomes that much less believable to folks that that is actually happening, and that's the sad part about it, especially when we're keeping the secrets and we're not shining a light on that behavior. Well, and the thing is with this particular one, he lied. He just outright lied. Even in therapy, he'd sit right beside me and lie, and... What do you do with that? And then those people who he went crying to, and he actually did cry, I guess, and and told lies about me, that they had the audacity to show that kind of aggression towards me in a social situation when they didn't know. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I I experienced some of that, uh, just the uh, flat-out denial of, of things. And it goes back to the gaslighting concept, you know, sitting with a couple's therapist and uh, I was recounting kind of the history, the, the litany of, of, uh, betrayals, mm-hmm. uh, some big, some not so big, but they're all painful. And, uh, there was just flat out denial. Now that never happened. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, yeah, I know you did. And, uh, I kept that with me and that was part of the clarity that, Okay, she's in denial. She's just, it's, no, it's not denial. She's flat out lying. Exactly. And so that's part of the clarity that I can't live with that anymore. So, one of the things that helped create clarity in me is the last time that I agreed to go to a therapist with him. Now, for him, it was a game. Oh, sure. I mean, with his kind of personality, it was a game that he was going to win, whether he had to lie or whatever. And I met him there, and we went in, and he started lying again. And I think I completely shocked this therapist. She was speechless, honestly, because I stood up and I said, I will not sit here and listen to these lies one more time. Thank you, Ms. Whomever, for agreeing to meet with us. And I appreciate your time, but I'm leaving. And I shook her hand and left. And I knew. I, I, but the problem with this particular case was that I was probably I was likely to be harassed by him for the rest of my life, and sometime I'll have to tell the story about what I did. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because yeah. there was clarity there too. At the very worst moment in my whole life, what am I going to do to save myself? Because most women in this situation have to leave the country. 
I was prepared to have to leave the country. Yeah, absolutely. We need to talk about that whole situation. You've shared some of that with me, but I think it's important to spend some more time diving into that. Right. So back to how do we get there? How do we get there? Get better. How do you find your resilience? Mm -hmm. We talked about therapy. Journaling. Both of us did a lot of journaling. Oh, an immense amount. Yeah. Yes. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy. I don't know if that's something your therapist used for you. I yes. know it was something that, that she used for me. Yes. Healing takes a lot of time. Uh, I even did EMDR. Yeah, and I did too. And that's a trauma-based treatment. That's real interesting. We can talk about that too at some right. point in time too. And um, you, you find your people. Find your tribe, find your people who you can count on, and there might not be that many, but you don't need that many. No, I think sometimes you just need one person. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it'll take just one person. You know, to to feel like you're not alone, that you're you're not insane for feeling some of the shame that you do. You're not uh, that you don't have to keep the secret. Sometimes just telling somebody the secret. Yeah. is incredibly cathartic and it can be the start of of the healing process because really you know it, when i think about my own journey and recovering from alcohol there's an acceptance that has to come whether that acceptance is i am this way i am alcoholic or an acceptance that this is not okay for this person to treat me like this anymore i have worth and i deserve to Pay attention to my own worth and my own needs. And it's, and, you know, once you get to that tipping point, uh, latch onto whatever resources that you can. But it's going to take hard work. And I think both of us have done that. And I've, I've, I know so many people that have done so much hard work. And it's an ongoing process. You know, in, in addiction, you hear a lot about relapse, but there's behavioral relapses as well and thought process relapses that it's so easy to to trip back into those things, especially if there's very profound triggers in your life. And there, for me, there are. And I go, I still see my therapist from time to time for tune-ups. Tune-ups, yep, absolutely. Or if I'm struggling, I'll go every week for a while yep. because I don't want to get to that place again. And I think probably people listening to this wonder, well, what kind of podcast is this? And what are they doing? And, oh, we're just, like you said at the beginning, we're, we're sharing all sorts of good, but there's going to be this too. Yeah, the, the, because that is life. I mean, my father talked about, when, when I was a kid, he, he would say, you know, fatherly advice, number 517, always uh, live east of where you work so that you don't have to drive into the sunshine or <laughs> live to the west or whatever that saying is. But one of them that he always said was, these are the vicissitudes of life. And vicissitudes are really the ups and downs of life. And that's really kind of what we're talking about too. And, and in any life, there's the down parts, the troughs. And that's what you know, this episode is about is about some heavier stuff, but we're going to have lighter stuff too. You know, well, like, right. But like, we're sharing our stories. Absolutely. And my reason in doing it is to help people. And maybe what I have to say will be somebody else's survival guide. Absolutely. I know that when I went into treatment, for me, hearing 
the stories of the other people in there are these other these other men who were struggling in ways very similar to me. Some of their backstories were different, some were the same. But to hear some of the emotions and the struggles that they've had allowed me to face my own. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, absolutely. By sharing our stories, we can help somebody. Right. Absolutely. And I have another one more quote. Go for it. I love these. <laughs> because I, I just think it's important after everything we've talked about today, remember your self-worth. And you have the right to speak out. So tell your story, shout it, write it, whisper it if you have to, but tell it. Some won't understand it. Some will outright reject it, but many will thank you for it. And then the most magical thing will happen. One by one, your tribe will gather and you will never feel alone again. I love that quote. I really do. We're at about time here, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been a great conversation. And uh, next time we'll have more. Um, maybe by then we'll get the picture of my hair up on the website. Who knows? I think we should. <laughs> All right. In the meantime, everybody, be well. Yes. Be well. Enjoy life. Enjoy the vicissitudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs>